Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you believe it's almost the end of 2021? We didn't think we'd make it through 2020, and sadly, a lot of people didn't. And here we are. I've got three very interesting experts, and we're going to be doing a retrospective on the headlines that shaped what CFOs were doing and perhaps what they're going to be doing. But we're looking back in our rearview mirror over our left and right shoulder at 2021. So my opening today is a line from movies from years ago, from the last century, actually, you had a little a little boy or a little girl on a street corner as people were rushing to their jobs, walking and in their cars or taking a train, a subway in a big city. And they said, extra, extra, read all about it. And that's what we're going to be doing today. I also have a joke for all of you in the audience, and I think my panelists know the answer. The joke used to be, what's black and white and red all over? And if you think about it, Red was not the color R-E-D, it was R-E-A-D, okay, and the answer was the newspaper, black and white and red all over. Not many of us get newspapers anymore, the paper kind where you hold it and the ink rubs off on your hands, but a lot of people still enjoy that feel and the smell of the paper. Today we get our news everywhere. It's just flying around in the air. Think about Wi-Fi, think about phones, tablets, think about computers, think about everything everywhere. So there we are. So let me give you insight onto what we're really talking about today. The CF role has expanded beyond their financial duties. Used to be what their job description was. All my panelists, I want you to nod and say, yeah, used to be just, yeah. just finance. There you go. And now it encompasses strategic responsibilities across the company. After closing the books 12 months ago on the extraordinary year that was 2020, we all know, which threw unprecedented challenges across mostly unprepared industries and businesses worldwide, we started 2021 almost 12 months ago with very high hopes for two things, the start of the recovery, and if you were in finance, the office of the finance of the CFO having a central role in what businesses were gonna do this year. Quick reality check, they faced some of their toughest tests. Talk about acquiring and retaining top talent. We know that's been talent wars. Big, and now we're looking through, looking at the era of resignation. Okay, where are people going? Do they come back to work or not? Unifying disparate data, embracing big data, adding automation with technology. Talking about processes, preventing fraud, investing in cybersecurity, supporting a remote workforce, ensuring compliance, embracing innovation at its best, accelerating post-pandemic growth. We're still there, and managing taxes and regulation. Oh my goodness. So, so today is December 14th. It's 17 days before the dawning of 2022. As I said, we're looking in our rear view mirror at how 2021 has highlighted areas of concern in the agility and responsiveness of finance systems. For many organizations, and we have listeners all over the world, this may apply to you, your investment in systems that offered the hope of greater flexibility, greater agility, which was one of the top buzzwords of 2021, and the resilience to cope with future challenges became 
paramount. Did you invest in those systems? Are they working for you? And of course, we have to add the OMG of needing to combat cyber attack threats and address information privacy concerns. Yes, GDPR is a couple years old, but we're still talking about that. This led companies to an increasing focus on risk management and the prevention and mitigation of breaches. I have three finance experts. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. We are, full disclaimer, we're live on Voice America Business Radio, but we're also recording this on Zoom video, and we will make that available. So I hope you see clips from it. We're going to be talking to Nilly Asades at Noy Group. Nilly has been on the show so many times over the years. You're with another company. We'll hear about that. Nilly, welcome back. Pras Chatterjee, who is one of the sponsors of the show. Pras, delighted to have you back. And a newcomer to the show, Grant Small at Legion Star. Wave hello, Grant. We're going to ask them for their take on Rip from the Headlines, a 2021 finance and risk retrospective. We're going to ask them to talk through the through the channel of the headlines to illustrate the key themes and events that shape business this year, 2021, and what are the implications for the ongoing pandemic recovery and the future of finance. Bonnie D in the house, happy to be here. Last show of 2021, but I have breaking news. Prosp, you and your colleagues, Birgit Starmans and Chris Grundy at SAP have informed me you're renewing this show, Financial Excellence for 2022. That will be season 11. You're my longest running SAP Game Changers show, and we are delighted. So thank you, Pras and team, and a shout out to Birgit and Chris. Nilly, you're up first, my dear. Why don't you, I can call you my dear because I've known you for years. Yes. I hope that's okay. Nilly, would you please do me the honor? Introduce yourself to people who may not, shame on them, may not remember, but you're with a different organization, and that's what's new yes. about you. So Nilly, take a couple minutes, go ahead. Sure. So, Nilia Seydis, I am currently the Managing Director of Research, Insight and Groups for a company that many of you perhaps have not heard about. It's kind of flying under the radar in a very successful way called Noi Group, as you can see in my background. It's a privately owned company that does uh, peer group exchanges, produces research and insight on finance and treasury. Um, I just joined a couple of months ago, but I used to work here 13 years ago. So it's kind of like coming back home. In between, I was at AFP and um, after that at the Hackett Group, which um, where I did a lot of finance and FP&A work. I am a, by training a journalist, but I kind of moved away from that years ago and writing a lot about uh, thought leadership in digital transformation, in analytics, so systems near and dear to my heart, as Praz knows. Um, we've talked about that many times. Um, I'm uh, typically in Oregon, right now in New York, uh, at a meeting. So this is like the first time, I believe, that I traveled to a meeting since 2020. So I'm very excited about that. Well, that's very exciting, Nilly. Thank you. Yes, travel is starting. We're starting to see people saying, I can hug somebody. Well, carefully. I can shake hands. I'm still doing the elbow bump when I see people in person. Nilly and, and Pras know this. Grant doesn't, but I did radio for 20 years on the phone. And in when the pandemic started, I went to the powers that be at Voice America and I said, can I start doing the shows on Zoom? I'd love to see my guests for the first time. I was never seeing anybody. Grant, it was all, everybody called in on a cell phone, a landline, it was all just voices. And I'd have to listen for, is Grant finishing a sentence? 
Is he starting a new paragraph? Is Nilly done talking? Is somebody wanting to chime in? And now I can see you think, I can watch you speak. And so I added this in April of 2020, just after the pandemic started. And so there's been a change in how I do radio and radio now became almost TV. So there are some changes that I think were for the better. Pras Chatterjee, we're so happy to have you here. Would you kindly and reintroduce yourself for those absolutely of, how dare people not remember you i, I don't even <laughs> want to think about it go ahead pras thank you so much for having me here again bonnie and uh, hello everyone uh, my name is pras chatterjee i'm the senior director of product marketing at sap focusing on planning and analysis solutions i'm based out of toronto canada i love interacting with finance individuals whether it be uh, financial analysts managers directors vp cfos anybody in the finance community and just talk to them about what they're experiencing where they're going and what they're about to do on a more personal level i am an avid runner uh, but What's taken over my passion for running is the Peloton. I am a more avid Pelotoner, whatever that means. But yes, that might actually bite into my running. But uh, beyond that, uh, Nilly did talk about the fact that she started to travel. I'm actually in the office. But what's funny is I'm in the office. There's about a thousand, there's supposed to be a thousand people here. I'm only the one person here right now. Pretty interesting. Oh my goodness, Price! You're kidding. One. Per so who are you going to hug? <laughs> I'm sorry, this is Grant. You can get ready to unmute while I finish up with Pras. Pras, that's absolutely fascinating. Well, thank you very much. You're going to have to run. Okay, what can I tell you? Pras, thank you. Grant Small, we're so happy to have you. Would you kindly introduce yourself? Go ahead. Sure. Thanks, Bunny and team. I appreciate being here today. Um, my name is Grant Small. I'm CEO of a company called Legion Star. We're an IT services company that specializes in cybersecurity. Um, you know, every day I'm talking to you know CFOs, CIOs, and talking about what they need uh, as far as planning goes in their cybersecurity and their risk management frameworks. We do a lot of work in more of the uh, the compliance and the governance side of the house and how they manage those systems. You know, day to day and week to week and month to month. Um, my passions really lie in you know building consulting companies, and that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Uh, mostly those have been some type of cyber or military risk management, you know, spin. Um, unlike Praz, I don't spend a lot of time on the Peloton. Um, I'm probably more like, uh, you know, Mr. Big on Sex in the City. If you haven't seen that yet, um, <laughs> he kind of bites the big one uh, if he gets in, in, on one of those uh, those classes for too long. But uh, I, I do, you know, uh, enjoy spending time with the family and traveling quite a bit. So that's uh, my, my background. Um, based out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, you know, lovely, lovely city, you know, nine months out of the year. But uh, right now we're all kind of confined, as you know, because of a lot of different reasons. But that's it. Thank you very much. Nice to have you, Grant. Wel welcome to the party. Now is the part of the show our regular listeners around the world know that I ask my guests to send me in advance one of their favorite quotes by a fictional character. Nilly and Press, people still insist on sending me Albert Einstein quotes and Churchill quotes. I just, I said to a guest the other day, what in the instructions am I not doing right if they're still sending me quotes from, it says, no quotes from real people, not Einstein, not Drucker, not Twain, not Churchill, not Maya Angelou, not John F. Kennedy, not Gates, not Jobs, and they still do. Anyway, so I've asked them for a fictional quote because I know you will all in our audience around the world enjoy the references, pop culture sometimes, from a song lyric or from a character in a movie or a TV show. So let's see what they came up with. And then they're going to relate their quote to our topic of the day, ripped from the headlines, looking back at finance and risk in 2021. Yeah, 17 days left in this year, but we're still allowed to look back, right, everybody? It's okay. We're on that cusp because everybody's going to be gone in a couple of days. 
Nilius 80s has sent us a quote from, let me see, it's from a song by the alternative rock group 10,000 Maniacs, but those of you who know the song and know the group may know that it featured, of course, the main songwriter, singer, Natalie Merchant. She was the face of that. And the line is, these are the days you'll remember. The song is from the 1992 album, Our Time in Eden. It hit number one on the Billboard Modern Rock track, charks, chark, track in November 1992. And it appears on their live album with Mary Ramsey, the new vocalist after Natalie Merchant. So line, these are the days we remember. Nilly, uh, explain please. One of my favorite um, singers, um, and it dates me a little mm -hmm. bit, but that's okay. So does my white hair. Um, Natalie, the song, I, I remember it. So it's kind of uh, the reason I chose this quote is because the day, the first time I heard the song, I remember exactly when that was and what was going on. It was very different than what's going on right now. It was a very lovely context. I was driving up to a, a house in the mountains in New Hampshire uh, with my new husband, and it was just a wonderful time. It was May, and if you know the song, May is part of the song. Um, I chose that in a very different context right now, obviously. Uh, these are days we'll remember, and especially with our look back uh, theme on this show, um, we'll remember them for different reasons, and some of them, and a lot of them are quite sad and tragic, but also from a risk management and finance perspective, so much has been going on in the last couple of years in terms of adjusting, in terms of leveraging automation where it wasn't before, since we're out of the office. A uh, very big deal in cash management, in transaction processing, in account receivables, closing the books. All of those things were challenges for CFOs and their teams. They're not going to forget that. In fact, they're building and looking forward, leveraging a lot of that knowledge, a lot of that experience to be better going forward. So I'm optimistic going forward that we'll take away the smart and good lessons from what we've learned in the last uh, couple of years, a year and a half, and apply them in the use, in the strategic role of the CFO and in the use of systems to enable efficiency and effectiveness in the finance organization. Thank you, Nilly. And learning from the past. This is a year and a half of past we didn't think we would need to learn from other than who won the awards, right? Who Who's getting the best movie, the best song, the best maybe innovation at CES. We didn't think we would be learning on a global survival and cultural and health and participation and political level. I'm not going to go politics, but we didn't think we'd have this kind of lessons. Everybody talks about disruptions to business, but we don't really talk about disruptions to who we are and who as a civilization, as a culture, right? The things we've had to learn as people more than just isolation. So thank you, Nilly. That's beautiful. I have to listen to the song. I appreciate that. Pras has picked a line from a song by Drake. And the song is, Where Were You? Featuring Dawn Richards, song by Drake. I didn't know much about Drake. Pras, you have to forgive me, but I am fascinated. Full name, oh, he's not a member of my family, but could be Aubrey Drake Graham, born in 1986, Canadian rapper, singer, songwriter. He starred in the teen drama series Degrassi, The Next Generation. Who knew? Then started a career in music. 
he released a mixtape called Room for Improvement in 2006, and the rest is history. He founded his own record label, OVO, O-V-O, with collaborator 40 in 2012. I don't know what that means. Anyway, in 2013, he became the global ambassador of the Toronto Raptors. And everybody listen up. Among the world's best-selling music artists, Drake has over 170 million records sold. He's the highest certified digital singles artist in the United States. Four Grammys, six American Music Awards, 29 Billboard Music Awards, two Brit Awards, three Juno Awards, and several Billboard Hot 100 chart records. Oh, my goodness. I've got to start listening to Drake. Here's the line. A goal is just a dream with a deadline. And I don't know if he was the first one to say that. I think somebody else said it, but it's it's lovely in the song. Pras, unpack, please. Drake is from Toronto, just as I am. And as you mentioned, he is our, vo- our global ambassador uh, for all things, not just Toronto Raptors, but for the city overall. And this line really got to me because um, ultimately in finance, we're all working towards goals, whether it's uh, targets, metrics, budgets, forecasts, trying to attain things. Uh, but it's true. It's all about a dream. And the f- interesting thing is that... Um, we're all going to be talking about headlines today, headlines across many different channels, whether it be uh, disruptions here and there, opportunities. And all these disruptions are going to present new goals for next year. But these goals often won't have deadlines attached to them or shouldn't have deadlines attached to them because we might have to think beyond the norm, beyond the spectrum. Because at the end of the day, we've really got to, uh, you know, for the care of our customers, for our shareholders, for our audience, we really have to move forward. And the best way to do that effectively is to dream. And I hope that... Uh, basically, when we start talking about all these opportunities that come today, we all, you know, instead of having nightmares, we start thinking about dreams, thinking about ways to move forward and help our customers and our shareholders move forward effectively. Thank you very much. Dreams and moving forward. I think that's what we want to cling to, right, Pras? By the way, Nilly has dropped. I'm hoping she comes back. So right now it's just Pras, and I'm waiting for Pras and Grant. So we have we have to fill uh, 40 minutes. We'll be just fine. Grant, you want to unmute, please? I'm going to read your quote. Let's see what you sent us. Grant, well, Grant sent us a quote that has a key word in it that is his last name, and I picked up on that, and he told me that was a gold star for me. And the quote is from Ham Porter, played by an actor named Patrick Renna, to Scott Smalls. There's the name. Grant is small. This is Smalls, played by Tom Greary. The movie is The Sandlot, 1993 American coming-of-age sports comedy film about a boy whose parents moved him, and he didn't have any friends, and he tried to join a baby baseball team and he couldn't hit and he couldn't throw and then they said okay you can join and his attempts to make friends and he hits a home run and it goes into somebody's yard and there's a dog called the beast that eats baseballs and they find the owner of the house who is not a scary person who has all these baseballs he's collected I hope I have the movie correct Grant and then the title the line that Grant has selected is you're killing me Smalls Nilly's back go ahead while I let her in Grant you're up no, Bonnie, that's a great segue. I appreciate it. And the delivery was spot on. But, uh, you know, a lot of times whenever I'm consulting with, you know, the C-suite, you know, there's a reaction that I get. And it's one of those reactions of, you know, you're killing me, Smalls. You know, this is something else I have to worry about. And, you know, 2020, 2021 were those reactionary years where we literally were making changes, you know, you know every week. Um, one of the things that, you know, Ham says to, you know, Scott in the, in the movie is that, you know, you know, you don't know what a s'more is, you know, you don't know how, you don't know who the great Bambino is, you you know, it's one of those things where, you know, education and kind of being street smart and understanding what's happening to your organization became incredibly paramount for, you know, the C-suite over the course of last year. And, you know, whenever someone says to me, you know, you're killing me smalls, it makes me remember, you know, you know, okay, I got to slow down a little bit or, 
you know, we need to, you know, ratchet up the, the education a little bit around whatever it is that we're talking about. If it's, you know, a new financial system or if it's how we're going to, you know, go after some, uh, you know, uh, ransomware uh, mitigation, um, all those things come into play. And, you know, really it's the C-suite's responsibility now to be up to speed on a lot of different topics really, really quickly. And when I look back at 20, 2020 and 2021, it literally was a time where, you know, things were changing daily. So we had to be up to speed on what are my current risks? You know, what, how's this impacting my systems? You know, what do I need to be prepared for potentially next week? And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the focus of my, my quote. So. Thank you. That may become one of my favorite quotes if somebody doesn't have one, Grant, because it's just a couple of words and it's open to interpretation. And I think that sense of frustration, right, Grant? It's It works for anything. You're killing me, Smalls. Got to do you that. Got it. My other favorite one that people like to use a lot is from Jack Nicholson's character in A Few Good Men where he says, you can't handle the truth. I think that's the, that's the flip side. So you're killing me. You can't handle the truth. Think, think about if we got those two, right? If we got those two in a room and they were talking to each other, that'd be an interesting movie mashup. Thank you all for your quotes. I appreciate it. Nilly, we're thrilled to have you back just in time. I know, okay. I know. I know. Good. So let's go to our headlines. Instead of the usual discussion statements, we've asked our three panelists to send us headlines, as I said in the opening. So extra, extra, read all about it. Let's see what Nilly has been reading. Headline number one is from fortune.com. And the headline is, we need real metrics. Listen to this, not heartfelt conversations to tackle wor workplace diversity. Nilly, go ahead. Yes. So obviously, heartfelt conversations are a good thing. We should have heartfelt conversations. But one of the big issues for CFO in the last uh, year and a half, um, <clears throat> emerging not just because of the pandemic, but because of certain awareness that's been going on in terms of diversity and inclusion, um, has been working on that theme. And we see that a lot in our work with companies um, that, that are members of our organization we actually have a DNI working group that has some of the big names in it. And for finance and CFOs, there are a couple of specific implications. And obviously, when we talk metrics, CFOs just get excited. Um, they like metrics, they like ways of measurement. And for a long time, a lot of the DNI efforts were noble and well intentioned. But really, we're not set up in a way that can be measurable, other than the most simplistic measure, such as, you know, what is the diversity of our workforce a year into this program? Um, and that wasn't really working very well. And so with greater awareness, CFOs are now beginning, have begun to play a specific role in creating metrics that are measurable that they can work with their sustainability and DNI colleagues and say, okay, we're going to have these set of metrics, for example, in, in, and specifically embedded into performance evaluation related to um, things that would reduce implicit and not so implicit bias. Um, looking at performance evaluation, for example, rather than on a global basis, is this person performing well? Are there leaders in their area? But really looking at competencies um, of different people in the organization. Um, and that's something that is helping to equalize 
some of that performance evaluation. So we see CFOs getting a lot more involved, both within finance, which has been, as I'm sure, again, dating myself, some of you know, used to be a very uh, male-dominated function. I remember when I first started working in finance, I would be the only woman in the room. Um, that's changed a lot, and in part, large part, due to um, DNI um, efforts. Um, so CFOs are looking at finance because they want to make sure they have diversity within their teams, as well as working with HR and uh, where DNI typically sits, and having this conversation. Okay, what metrics can we have? Um, the investment in DNI has been tremendous, but proving to your CEO and your investors and the public that you're making a difference has been hard. So got to move beyond, hey, we need to understand this and having those conversations to a more concrete, measurable type of system. Thank you, Nelly. So heartfelt, noble, and well-intentioned replaced by hard, cold numbers. Oh, my. What a, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. <laughs> what a, by number, or at, uh, shall we say, enhanced by, okay? Enhanced with. We'll go with that. Yes. Thank you for the correction. I didn't, I didn't mean to get a visceral response there, but you're <laughs> right. We still need the conversations, and then we need the metrics also. Interesting that CFOs are getting so involved in diversity and inclusion. I don't think we even would have thought that, but my opening said the CFO was doing a lot more than just finance, exactly. so you you proved that. Thank you, Nilly. Let's go. Uh, it, Pras or Grant, anything you want to say to Nilly? Because I'm ready to move on. You good? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, beyond what Nilly said, I think it presents opportunities for finance as well. Uh, finance owns the data. They own KPIs, they own metrics, they own dashboards. And part of this also lets finance have conversations. I mean, they're able to take this in conjunction with the standards HR might have set. Uh, they're able to take this DNI data and whatnot um, and take it to operations, sales, and really communicate where they are, where they can be, where they should be as well. Because obviously, the more we embrace this, the more we get into our company, we get into our organizations, and we have more trains of thought that let us really expand our horizons and think better for everyone. Thank you very much. Grant, go ahead. Yeah, it, I mean, if I can add, you know, um, a lot of times we try to add a metric onto everything. And I think that in some cases, especially in diversity and inclusion scenarios, you know, um, you know, we have the tendency to put a number on a lot of things. But the value of diversity and inclusion, what I've seen in my own company is, you know, you know, when you have different backgrounds, different temperaments, talents, convictions, of, of the different people, that's whenever you grow as an organization in a lot of different ways. And, you know, that's that's the real goal. And sometimes it's hard to put a metric on the value of that. You know, we, we may try to step, slap goodwill on there, or we may want to slap, you know, like, hey, you know, we're, 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 we're getting good results on our surveys, you know, that we're a great place to work. But the real value when I sit around my table is the people that I give a seat to is um, the, the people that I, you know, really, really want their opinion. And um, those opinions a lot of times don't come from, you know, people that are effectively the same as me. And uh, that's that's the part that I value, at least in my organization. And I think we got to get sometimes a KPI maybe around that if that's possible. But that's that's kind of where I'm going. Thank yeah, you. That's hard, right? I, mean, yes. I think the value is has been proven in some research that organizations that are more diverse are more innovative. Yes. Make better decisions. So I think it's possible. It's kind of like six degrees of separation, maybe, but it's exactly the value that needs to be measured. And we used to talk about this in terms of if you don't get 
grand get the guy or the gal sitting a woman or man person sitting next to you it used to be walk a mile in their shoes who are they where do they come from what's the road they've traveled what experience do they bring and then you just stop and listen what did they say where can we find a commonality or a difference or just a difference to agree to disagree on but at least we've opened up our minds nilly thank you for the headline great start let's move on and thank you all for the comments pros chatterjee has sent us one of the word of the year the phrase of the year two words supply chain oh my goodness let's do this the headline is supply chain chaos that's well put pros i know it's your headline you didn't write it supply chain chaos is already hitting global growth and it's about to get worse oh my goodness pros you're up talk to us unpack please well, if you haven't done your Christmas shopping already, you might want to turn it off at this point in time. I, I'm kidding. I kid right now. No, it, it is about to get worse. I mean, we've all been hearing about supply chain uh, for the last while now. I mean, people, I mean, and it's not just one thing, it's everything. I mean, whether it comes to getting oil, I mean, the most basic is Christmas presents. And if you go to any Christmas store, I, mean, I was just at the toy store the other day, half the shelves are aren't even there. I mean, you know, it was at this one um, store that collects American girl dolls and they stuff half with Barbies. The, um, so it just shows you what's available, what's not available. And it is about to get worse because we've never faced this before. Up until 2020, everything was so fluid and smooth. You had systems to let you know how things are tracking, when they would get here, when they wouldn't get here, and you can predict so easily. And as finance, it was smooth sailing. You just had to manage their KPIs. Now finance actually has to talk to their supply chain departments and supply chain and really monitor the supply chain to understand you know, when are the metri- uh, the materials coming in that it can help you produce? What can you actually ship out and actually sell effectively, right? How fast can you get it on the shelves? I mean, are the trucks going to be there? Are the shipping lines going to be there? I mean, at every little point, there might be a disruption, which effectively does ca- cause chaos. And it's interesting that we blame a lot of this on the pandemic because the pandemic created situations where even now, uh, certain countries are placing restrictions, restrictions on travel, restrictions on what can come, what can to come, what goods need to stay internal versus be shipped external or globally. But then we also saw this year in um, the Suez Canal, a, sh- a boat basically went a little bit diagonal and oh my goodness, I mean, the we're still paying the price for that at this point in time, apparently. So it is going to get worse, but I do believe that the finance department has the ability to take this into uh, account monitor it and really expand the horizons into in terms of what they evaluate and think outside the box and present realistic guidelines internally as well as externally. Thank you very much. Needed to be said. I would like to, I, I started on another radio show I host a couple of weeks ago. We had a topic about disruption. And I said, let's talk about disrupting the disruption. It's, it's, it's time to stop that part. Nilly likes that one. You all liked it. Thank you very much. Anybody have any comments on process headline? Nilly, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's a, an extremely <clears throat> important point. The part, and, and certainly for the CFO working with procurement or supply chain, to understand the timing, the inventory, managing account receivables, is money coming in? So there's that um, that whole end-to-end process um, of uh, customer to cash and procurement. But it also, so it does a couple of things. It Again, to Prass's point earlier, it forces the CFO to be collaborating with heads of other departments. So in our in uh, DNI, that's with HR. 
and a lot of conversations. And in supply chain, a lot of conversations with head of procurement, chief procurement officer. So we see the CFO's breadth of engagement and influence expanding. The other more specific thing for finance is supply chain finance, because one of the things that we've faced and will continue to face is, as Braz was saying, is different suppliers along the chain have suffered more or less. And perhaps they need an infusion of cash in some way through working capital funding, through receivables monetization. So that's another place where finance can smooth out a little bit, disrupt the disruption, just a little bit. Thank you very much. Grant, anything you want to say about that? The only question I had for Praz was, do they sell American Girl dolls in Canada? Because I, I, I picked that up and, and I, 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 anyway. <laughs> And I'll tell you a, a strange place where I think supply chain is wreaking chaos, Pras, is that I used to buy, there's a certain very famous brand of cream cheese. And I, in my, my pretend keto diet, I like to pull a cream cheese in my omelet with the other cheese. And I like to buy the Neufchatel, which is a version of cream cheese. You may be aware that it's a slightly lower fat content. And this famous brand is no longer available on the shelves of my very well-known large, very, very modern supermarket, just the full 100% fat version. Yet the store brand is carrying the lower fat version. So I said to one of the dairy department managers, what's going up? And he said, I don't know, they just stopped shipping it. And I'm thinking supply chain, I don't know why there would be a differentiator in cream cheese, but that's where I, and it did take six weeks to get a new screen storm door from my front of my house. And the strange thing was, Pras talking about inventory, okay? After a month of hearing, my manager and I can't find your screen door, Bonnie. We can't find it. It'll be, we don't know when it's going to be available. It wasn't urgent, but I wanted it. I'd already paid for it. I went online to the store, famous chain, one of those do-it-yourselfers, not the big one, the one next one to it. I found seven screen doors of the exact same SKU I was ordering at three stores within five miles of my house. So I contacted the sales lady. I said, you just told me last night you can't get it. I said, I have a friend with a pickup truck. I'm going to go cancel the order. I'm going to go buy it right now. Point of sale. And she said, oh, we just got one in. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so was it supply chain or was it inefficiency or it was lack of interest? They, they had a lot of money of mine just sitting there in the cash register waiting. <laughs> so anyway, so sometimes you just got to go looking for yourself, right? That's the way it goes. Let's move on. I have a very interesting headline from Grant Small. I have no idea where to go with this, Grant, but it was everybody looked at it and said, what? Okay, here we go. The headline is, a broken toilet on SpaceX capsule means astronauts will return to Earth in diapers. I didn't write this, everybody. This was something <laughs> from NPR.org. Grant, you're the newcomer. Go ahead and, and entertain us with this. What does this have to do with risk? Go ahead, Grant. No problem. Um, so as we look at 2020 and 2021, you know, there's a certain... Um, you know, you know, piece of all business risk management where, you know, we have a plan A and we have a plan B. And when I saw this headline, I thought it was a really good example of, you know, making sure that you had a solid plan B. And, um, you know, um, in the military, we say, you know, you know, redundancy is two, you know, you have to have basically two of everything. And, you know, when you're on a space sh shuttle, you got to have a plan B if, some, if plan A obviously fails. 
um, you know, for most, you know, C-suite individuals in 2020, 2022, you know, we were going back to plan B's in a lot of cases. And you know, just like you said, Bonnie, you know, trying to get your screen door, you know, we, we may not have had our first option available, you know, always. So what we saw in risk management a lot was a scenario where um, even though we wanted to push forward, if we wanted to innovate, um, we may not have had the processes, the people or the product to do what we wanted to do, you know, and during that time period, um, you know, what happens if you're, you know, your head program manager, you know, you know, got, you know, got COVID, you know, you had to be able to roll with the punches. And, you know, I, I saw this headline and I thought to myself, you know, that that's a great way to kind of, you know, make sure you drive home the point of making sure that as we do our planning for the next year, you know, we got to make sure we take the time to plan in the plan B's in case something happens. The other thing is make sure that, you know, you take the time and effort to understand, you know, where our risks are, you know, I mean, what kind of catastrophic failures are out there. Um, it, this also resonated with me because, uh, you know, I, um, it's actually a gal that used to babysit my children. She now works uh, down at the University of Boulder and she was involved in not designing the toilet, but the uh, the actual uh, refrigerator that's on, on the um, on the show. And long story short, you know, that refrigerator had to have, you know, zero liquids, be mold resistant. Um, all those things that, you know, we, we take for granted when we buy, you know, a $150 dorm refrigerator for our office, you know, space or whatever, right. You know, this thing had to be bulletproof and effectively, you know, you know, at a cost of around, you know, $50 million to design a perfect refrigerator, you know, and, and still, you know, even after that time of innovation, we still have things that collapse. So we got to go back to the things that we know work easy and, you know, are there for us when we need to. And that, that's where I want this. Yeah. I want an introduction to the young lady who was a babysitter and then went to designing refrigerators for space capsules. <laughs> I, I'd like to meet her because I do a show, Grant, on creativity, cool conversations with creatives. I'd love to have her on. If, if she, I doubt she even would talk to me, but if she would, I would love an introduction because I think that would be very inspirational to young people to say, you may need to do babysitting to pay the bills when you're a teenager, but your aspirations have nothing to do with that. Dream big, look high. Anybody have any comments, Nilly or Pras, on this very interesting headline Grant picked? Pras, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, I think um, what Grant says, um, it lends to the fact that CFOs really got to plan for what if, like what if this happens, what if that happens. I mean, this topic gets really, really passionate and almost gets my blood boiling at times because I talk to these finance departments who effectively are starting to go back to the status quo, starting to think that everything is getting back to normal. There is no normal. We know that. I mean, you've got to think beyond um, what you're doing in the past. I mean, the funniest one I still find is organizations that still do budgets. They sit in August trying to figure out what's going to happen next year, spend four months trying to build it out to the most perfect nth degree so they can have this detailed, elaborate plan. They can go to the the C-level board and say, look, we spent hours and months and weeks on it. It's perfect. And then as soon as January 1st hits, it's out the door. It's garbage, right? They've got to start thinking proactively. What if? What if this? What if that? What if many things? Present alternatives and really think along those lines because that's what I'm sure the guys on SpaceX did to get to that point. They thought about all these contingencies. Not They didn't plan this like six, eight, two years in advance. Nobody can do that. So I hope that our CFO audience really gets their act together when it comes to this. 
I think we're going to call it chaos planning. What do you think yeah. of that? What if doesn't matter anymore? It's chaos. Plan for the worst, the most absurd, right, Grant? The most, and and the basic. You don't have a toilet. You need something else to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, look at the basic functions, not just the human functions, but the basic system functions, the business functions. What's the absolutely worst thing that would make you, oh, my God, sick? If it happened, plan for that. Nilly, any comments about the, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was a great headline and had some thoughts similar to Prass's in terms of throwing the budget out the door, um, which in some case, which was a, a thing before, but the pandemic just made it so much more visible um, that you cannot take a year to plan or six months to plan the next year and expect that next, next year to be flowing as 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 it was last year this historical looking and i think systems have been incredibly helpful in helping in companies that had them right and you can look at ones that had enough planning capacity and in and and smart planning technologies compared to those who did not as we moved into daily or weekly forecasting couldn't be up you know top down even or bottom up had to be done in an AI-enabled environment, generating ranges of possibilities because generating a single point didn't make any sense anymore. So the ability to run scenario analysis in an effective and efficient manner on a continuous basis, you know, grabbing, gripping a lot of new information as it becomes available because every day brought new information. I think without those capabilities in your system, people struggled a lot to be able to look forward. And we learned that that disaster scenario can be huge. Um, so looking forward, it's not like disruption is going to stop to your point, right? It's going to continue. We just need to learn of how to deal with it rather than go back to what we used to do. Thank you, Nilly. And this brings to mind our earlier conversation about diversity and inclusion, right? Because you need people who have that expansive knowledge at different parts of, of the thinking process, different experiences, right, Grant? So they can bring that what if, that what I'm calling chaos planning, not just, okay, well, maybe the supply chain, but maybe the battery won't be there. You have to think at a bigger, even a silly level, because chaos can be silly. Thank you all. What a great first round. We only have 13 minutes left. Let's see we can cover a few more headlines briefly. Nilly, I'm looking at headline number six because I like it and it's tech driven and it says how to set your AI project up for success. You briefly mentioned AI. Let's take two minutes for this one. I want to see if we can cover a few more headlines. So Nilly, you're up. Sure. I'll be quick. I'll try. Uh, not known <laughs> for that. Anyway, um, I chose that because a lot of finance organizations a lot over the past year and definitely kind of after proof of concept into the future had turned to AI enabled tools to do their forecasting process, for example, moving from historical or even current type forecasting, but looking at predictive forecasting because so much was changing so quickly. Um, and then AI is one of the capabilities you must have for statistical and algorithmic forecasting. Um, so I think for finance, this was a year that really drilled in this reality that you must have something more efficient and more successful to look forward. And we've seen companies switch from the usual to the new. Um, there are issues with AI, not just the ethical issues that I don't want to get into, but 
there's definitely an issue with choosing the right use case. And if you don't choose the right use case, you won't get the return you expect, even if the return is better decision-making support. It doesn't have to be a number. Um, so you need to choose the right use case and also understand that in a lot of the current systems you have, if they're cloud-based and most are, there is a lot of times there is a capability built in already for analytics and AI. So before you go out and buy a standalone solution or consider buying AI and incorporating it, look at what you've got and take advantage of that. Thank you very much, Nelly. I'm just going to keep moving because I have a few more headlines I really want to cover. Press, another buzzword of this year, crypto. The future of cryptocurrency, five experts' predictions after a quote-unquote breakthrough 2021, and we're still seeing crypto in the headlines with supposed breakthroughs for the good or the bad. So this is from time.com, Next Advisor Investing. Press, yeah, let's do about two minutes. We've got nine minutes left. Go ahead, Press. Yeah, I just thought it's a very interesting topic because we've been hearing crypto all across the board, as you mentioned, and it's an extremely polarizing topic. We all know we've heard of these crypto millionaires. We all hear about people that don't even understand it. Um, it's all over the place. And uh, what's interesting I found was that apparently one in five Americans own some form of crypto which is pretty big. I mean, it's only going to get bigger. Maybe it'll drop off of a cliff, who knows. But at this point in time, it is here and maybe it's here to stay in some way, shape or form. And, uh, you know, what I got, the, wh why I found this interesting was that um, I've been really pushing the fact internally that we've got to start helping organizations take account of this whether and it's hard to really understand where to take into account from but then ultimately i look at our consumers our customers i meet a lot of young people these days who are well invested in crypto that doesn't mean that they're holding it but they they play with it, they trade it, they uh, use it as currency, use it to, uh, for acquisition purposes, which means that businesses at some point managing the risk, which is really tough. I'm not here to, to tell you how to manage crypto risk. There's clearly a way to do it, but it's something that businesses need to do, whether it's hedging against it or whatnot, investing in ETFs, um, but also enabling um, themselves digitally to capture this and really maybe help. Um, you know, I've heard the, re the movie th chain AMC recently mentioned that they might accept crypto you know, as I guess young people go to watch movies, they'll click in and, uh, you know, show their uh, digital wallet and exchange Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever they do and get a movie pass. Maybe that's just a start. Or maybe you can think big and buy a Tesla with your Bitcoin holdings. Who knows? But it's here to stay in some way, shape or form. And businesses need to adapt, especially for 2022. Press, I think we should create an NFT, a non-fungible non fungible token, yes. token, token of this, yeah. this radio show in 2022. Let's do it. Good idea. I, th I think we should. We should. I could do that for all my radios, especially my technology revolution, the future of now. I have to figure out a way to sell an NFT for that one. That could pay for the whole year. What can I tell you, Grant? We're almost out of. Well, we got about eight minutes left, Grant. I'm giving you the next one. This is interesting. Your headline number two: A retired utility worker has won a two million dollar lottery for the second time. Grant, is this a risk topic or a Plan B topic? Go ahead. So, so it's a little bit different for both, but you know what? When I read this, I thought to myself, you know, you know, the way that the hacking community has worked over the course of the last twenty years is basically by, you know, finding some type of vulnerability and exploiting it. And you know, when I see a fellow win, you know, effectively four million dollars in the lottery, I say, okay, what's your what's his system, right? Because it's not, you know, that that shouldn't happen in theory if we're, we're talking about just you know straight up, you know. Uh, uh, you know, you know, proximities or ratios of what, you know, a person should win over the course of the time. And as you dig into the, the article a little bit, you know, he says one thing. He's like, 
I use the same numbers. I use the same numbers over and over again. And I thought to myself when I read that, you know what, this is kind of a good example of, you know, explaining risk to people um, that don't deal with password risk or ransomware every single day. Um, effectively, you know, we have a thing called a rainbow list, and this has basically all these different permutations of passwords, like, you know, you know, love one, two, three, or, you know, my name, you know, five, six, seven, whatever, right? It has all these things built into this list, and I just keep on hitting it over and over again to brute force hack my way into a system, right? This is a great example on, you know, basically how, you know, that has become a big issue over the course of 21, sorry, 2020 and 2021, as we push out our workforce and we start bringing in all these new people, we got to make sure that we're explaining to them risk and, you know, not using the same password that you use on your Gmail account at home, you know, as your, your account that you're going to be using, you know, in your new corporation, you know, or the corporation that you're going to work for. Um, we got to have some, we have to make sure that we're not using the same numbers, the same things over and over again. And that's just a part of, you know, uh, get kind of educating our own workforce on the risks that are there. Um, yeah, trying trying to slam a lot in two minutes there, Bonnie. But you know th that's that's the point. You know, um, this the other thing is 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 endpoint encryption has been a very big deal for us as of late, and you know, kind of moving away in 20, 2020 and twenty twenty one from trying to develop a gigantic platform where everything's involved. Now we're we're pushing more to trying to just figure out how to protect that one specific entity, you know, with a very specific, you know, um, model. Um, that's been kind of a, a, a change that has happened in 2020, 2021, um, during the last pandemic scenario, because we just don't have people that can manage these gigantic platforms anymore. We just don't have the horsepower to do it. So that was another impact that we've seen in the C-suite a lot also. But Thank you very You did great. You, you did fabulous packing that in. I want to pack in one more headline because this deals with climate change, which is another really hot topic this year, or a cold topic, but mostly a hot topic. We talked because of climate change and global warming. <laughs> Nilly, the headline is green junk bonds may not deliver green results. Nilly, you've literally got two and a half minutes because then we got to close. Go ahead. <laughs> Big topic. Yep. was big this uh, past year because of the climate conference in Glasgow, Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things happening. The market for green bonds had doubled more uh, over the past year, so from 21 to 20, to a total of almost $60 billion. Um, so there's a lot of interest, investor interest, and a funding capability for CFOs and their teams in green bonds. The problem um, is the disclosure and tracking of whether the bond is actually producing what it was supposed to do. Because in some cases, um, it's called greenwashing. Um, for example, you issue <clears throat> few companies issue green bonds and use it to pay down expenses. There was no real tracking for whether the money is actually going into some carbon reduction or a, a clean energy or some kind of a climate-related investment. Um, so I think you gotta, as an investor and as an issuer of debt, there's gonna be a lot more scrutiny or authenticity in how you issue and use the proceeds of your bond issue. So it's actually producing a green result. Thank you very much. Nilly. 
you beat the clock. You did great. Thank you very much. You can smile now. Oh, my goodness. Three minutes left. I want to ask a quick question. We don't have time for big predictions, but my question okay. is, at this time next year, because the series is renewing Pross, you and your colleagues, Birgit, I know Chris is moving to another team, but we'll still be working with Pross Chatterjee and Birgit Starmans. If we asked the question, did CFOs have a good year in 2022, if we met a year from today, yes or no? I know we're going to be optimistic, but did they have a better year in 22? Because of all the things we're talking about, because understanding risk, understanding planning. So just, I get, I need 30 seconds each. Nilly, go ahead. Yes or no, 2022 <coughs> <Yes>. CFO. <But laughs> I'm optimistic. Why? I think people are learning from experience. And so given that, there'll be a better conception of risk and potential disruption and how to deal with it. There's been a massive uptake in the adoption of technology um, and fast tracking of digital transformation. That's going to serve everyone very well. Thank you. Press, yes or no? Yes, it will, because they will adopt. That's why. Ah, Grant Star. Grant Small. I call you Grant Star because it's Legion Star. I read the first word in the last. Grant Small. What do you think? Yes or no? Um, I'm going to say no, uh, just because of the, the crushing inflation that's coming our way and the, you know, the resource shortages. Um, when a gallon of milk starts costing eight bucks, you know, uh, you know, everybody's going to have a problem. So that's kind of where I'm going. Okay. Well, I can live without the low-fat cream cheese, but without the milk, I'm not sure I would be able to get by. Yeah. I want to thank the three of you. Pras, I want to thank you and Birgit and Chris for another wonderful year of great topics, wonderful guests. Grant Small, what a nice addition to the panel. Thank you so much for joining us. Love to Thanks, have guys. I looked at them. I said, what's he going to talk about? These were good. These were really... Nilly, always a pleasure to see you. Mm -hmm. Always a pleasure to talk to you and to listen to you. I always learn from you. Pras is just wonderful having you on the panel and so i'm going to do my usual closing call to action here uh, thank you everybody say thank you aaron one two three thank you thank aaron. aaron thank you aaron is our aaron. engineer aaron started with me three years ago he's 26 just celebrated 63rd birthday we work hard what can i tell you okay here's the deal Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is still getting two months to the gallon. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Nilia Sadies, just like Pras Chatterjee, and Biggest Diamonds, and Chris Grundy, and just like Grant Small. Bonnie D signing off. Happy holidays. Happy New Year, everybody. We'll see you in 2022. That's my prediction. Everybody wave goodbye. Don't go away, panel. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.